Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we hear from Alden Darby, important member of the Blue Bomber defense as he chats with our Derek Taylor. Plus, we talk to John Hodge of Three Down Nation to preview the CFL season as a whole. That's all coming up on the podcast. Lots of Bomber content tonight on the show. We're going to talk to John Hodge of Three Down Nation about the CFL season beginning in general. His thoughts on the league as a whole. Roy McIlroy comments on the PGA Saudi merger and some hockey thoughts too. But we start with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Hamilton Tiger Cats coming here on Friday. One player who was with the team when last year began was Alden Darby. Spent uh, three seasons in Toronto Came to Winnipeg, traded to Winnipeg during training camp of 2021, and then signed a deal with Hamilton to start last year. Lasted 10 games there, then was traded back here to Winnipeg, where he had six tackles in a pair of games to end the regular season, then added a sack and four tackles in their two playoff games. An important part of the Blue Bomber defense, and earlier today he talked one-on-one with our Derek Taylor. Basically, I just want to know uh, how your life's been since you came to Winnipeg. You're, you left the Hamilton Tiger Cats, came to Winnipeg. How has it been since you've been to Winnipeg? I mean, it's been the same since the first time I came back to Winnipeg, when I came to Winnipeg in 2021. Um, this, is a, this is just an amazing uh, team, you know. I know you, everybody hears it every day in the media and stuff like that about, you know, the team in this locker room, but I, I just can't say enough about it, you know what I mean? It's like when you when you walk out the building, you're, you're wondering what your teammates are doing or where, where your teammates at, okay, you want to hang out. When you, when you after practice, you hang around, you want to hang out, eat with your teammates, play ping pong with your teammates, read books with your teammates. It's literally a family here. So for me, it's just like it's an environment that, you know, if I were a coach or if I owned a team or run a team, I would want to run like this. And I don't necessarily mean from a you know, monetary standpoint of, like, wins and losses. It's, it's, it's the internal uh, aspect. It's the family-oriented aspect. It's the checking on each other's uh, uh, lives. How you doing? How your kids doing? How, how's your wife doing? Your girlfriend? And, and that's what happens around here, you know, and that's what, to me, uh, as, a, as a people person, is what's important. You know, being around a group of people that not only do I go to work with, but that I can check on, or that would check on me, that would call me, and or, or if I had a bad day, would, would send me a text, like, hey, don't worry about, don't worry about today. You know, we know how you are. That's how this is, and it's just you. It's hard to imitate this and get anywhere else. So, I was asked today on a podcast, hey, what is it about the Bombers? And I go, you've gotten multiple star players who could have got much more money to go somewhere else, but chose to not do that because other things are important. This this situation must be providing those things that are important apart from money. Yeah, you know, like I said, you, you, it's, it's certain things you can't, money can't buy. You know what I mean? Like, money can't buy happiness. You know, and and the, and the like legitimate enjoyment we have, and and how much we love each other, and, and legitimately how much we like to play for each other. You, it, it's hard to get that elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like. You got a lot of guys, and people can say, oh, well, why, why don't you give it a chance to go meet somebody on the team that might be like that on another team? You got a lot of guys here that are, that are you know, different walks of life and got their own type of attitudes, but to see how an organization, a team can even change a certain person to want to fit in and be that way is, is special within itself. Because you'll have teams that are like, oh, yeah, we, we run things, we do certain things here, but you still got a couple of guys that still do their own thing, that still go off the director scale, get in fights on the field, stuff like that. Here it's like, I mean, we, everybody got a hot head and things like that, but here it's like, no, for my team's sake, let me not get a penalty. For, for my teammates, you know what I mean? Not, not, not to cost just to cost the game, but for my teammate, let me not get this flag. And that right there is a, the difference. From, say, high school to today, have you, and, and 
feel free to not out anybody, but have you played for a team where like, God, I do not want to go to work today. Oh. Nah, not, not you, me. Oh, good. Honest to God, and I'm just being honest, not me, because you, you, you look at it, I've always looked at it myself. I've always been a guy that, you know, uh, a lot of skills and stuff like that, but always climbing from the bottom for some odd reason. So I was just, I've always been just happy and blessed to be out there. You know what I mean? Like, it's truly a blessing because I look at some guys that get injured and their career is done, and I wake up every day, body feels fine, I'm able to run around and stuff like that. So I look at it as football's opened up every door for me and given me everything in life. So like, I, I love it. I love it. You ever had a teammate you hated? Just wanted like I, I kind of would punch you in the back of the head if I could. Uh, Stanley Bryant. No, I'm, joking. I'm joking. He's really quite no, large joking. though. No, that's my dude. That's my dude. I'm not, but nobody though. One thing that that we don't get in outside business, uh, no one can trade me to another radio station. What, what's the feeling like when you get traded? Well, in this specific case, you got traded from Hamilton to the team that was first in the West. I mean, I look at it as uh, you, you're not wanted by uh, one team and you want to buy another, you know, but the end result is you still want it. Uh, you're doing something good still, you know what I mean? So I must be doing something good still. I, I must be, you know, uh, headed in the right direction or, or my teammates love me. So I'm going to just keep wanting to at least be traded at least. <laughs> I, it's it's good when the two-time Grey Cup champions want you, I would think. Yeah, no, it's, it's, like I said, definitely a good feeling. I mean, they were, what, 15-3? and three when, when I, Well, we won a couple games when I got it, but when I got here, they were already rolling. They were already historic numbers. They didn't need me. They were already had their particular punch, you know what I mean? So for that little extra just, you know, we, we want you here. You know, we don't need you, we want you here, you know. And, you know, obviously teammates want to be here and stuff like that too. So it, it's a great feeling. The matchup on Friday, uh, you guys in Hamilton, I've been saying it looks like the best team in the West and the best team in the East. How do you perceive the relative strength of these two teams league compared to the rest of the league? I mean, it's football at the end of the day. I mean, you, I mean you've seen – I don't want to talk about my boy's Fluke team, but you see the Miami Heat, the number eight seed, came in there and just took down Giants and, and made it to the, to, the NBA, to the NBA Finals. You still got to lace up your cleats. You still got to put in your helmet. You still got to put in your shoulder pads. No matter what, names are on paper. You got to go out there, execute the game plan. You got to go out there, fire all cylinders, and you got to go out there and make your plays. You know, so uh, I just look forward to be out there playing football. It's week one. It's early. You know what I mean? I just want to go out there, play football, run around, and, 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 and do it for my teammates. And if Jimmy Butler's wearing number 22 for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, you guys are in trouble, right? I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Love the ping pong action in the background in the Blue Bomber locker room. It's just it's what they do sometimes to pass the time in there. Alden Darby talking to our Derek Taylor. <laughs> Tomorrow night, the CFL season gets underway. So to preview the action with the big picture view of everything is John Hodge of Three Down Nation. And John, let's start with the opener. It's BC Calgary tomorrow. The NFL, they always open their season with the defending champion playing. Toronto's not even on the field until week two. What is CFL doing here? (laughs) That's a great question, Christian. And I also question the logic and look. Any Sam Peter fans listening are not going to like this, but why are we opening the season in the worst stadium in the CFL? Like McMahon Stadium is an absolute dump. That is that is a, I, I in my opinion not even opinion. That is a matter of fact. Um, and uh, starting the season at 9 p.m. Eastern, I think is also a weird choice. Like why not have an earlier game out east or or even centrally here in Winnipeg, of course. Uh, that's that's and, and don't get me wrong. The game itself should be very good, but the logistics around it having you know a later start time and starting in a place that's that's probably not going to be terribly full. Like the Stampeders have also struggled uh, more so with any other team possibly than than Toronto uh, with filling that stadium. So I, I question the logistics around it, but the, but the action should be good. It's true, and those are two teams that are going to be, I'd say, 
like two and three, whatever order below Winnipeg. If you if you're power ranking the West, what do you think? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's the case. I mean, that's how the standings played out last season. Of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were fifteen and three. BC and Calgary were both twelve and six. The Lions were second by virtue of their head-to-head record. The, uh, the Sams went one and two against the Lions, so the Lions were, were, were technically atop, even though they have the same regular season record. So. You know, I, I think Edmonton's better, right? I, they, they, they put a ton of money into that receiving core. They brought in Eugene Lewis, Kyron Moore, Stephen Dunbar Jr. I think the Riders are going to be better. Trevor Harris looks absolutely fantastic, albeit in a very short stint as the starter at IG Field during last week's preseason game. So I do think those teams are going to improve, potentially even enough to move up the West Division standings. But I'm not ready to project that quite yet, or at least say that definitively quite yet. I still think Calgary's a good team. I still think BC's a good team, even without Nathan Rourke, with Vernon Adams Jr. looking so good in the preseason. It's easy to get excited about that club. So, yes, I agree. BC and Calgary should be 2-3 and three in the West right now, but I, I do think this division will be more competitive than it was a year ago. All right, so let's go down the standings into, uh, well, the two teams that are playing on Sunday in Edmonton, a 6 p.m. Central time start with the Elks taking on the Riders at Commonwealth, speaking of stadiums that won't be full. Uh, Looking at this matchup, two teams that, you know, Edmonton was bad last year. Saskatchewan was very disappointing last year. Are either of them a hope to make the playoffs this year? Well, let's, let's start with the Elks. I mean, the Elks, I think, before they worry about playoffs, have to worry about winning a game at home. This is a team that has not won a home game at Commonwealth Stadium since 2019. They have lost 19 consecutive games at home. Victor Kui, the team's president, has instituted a new initiative for the season called essentially guaranteed win tickets. So you buy a ticket for a seat, and you get to keep that seat free of charge for every game the Elks lose. You only have to pay for it again when they win. So theoretically, you could buy a game, uh, a ticket to the, to the season opener and go to all nine games for and do so for free the rest of the season as long as the Elks don't win. So I think priority number one is getting that first home victory because I think just like, you know, if you remember back a few years, Christian, every single year the Bombers played the conversation was the Grey Cup drought, the Grey Cup drought, the Grey Cup drought. That just dominated the conversation. And now we don't hear about that anymore, of course, in Winnipeg. So I think at Edmonton, that is the narrative. That is what everybody's talking about. They have to get that monkey off their back first. Beyond that, the defense is going to be way better. The defense was atrocious last year. Uh, Taylor Cornelius, I think, has to take another step in his development as a young quarterback. But he has a lot of good raw tools. He's a big, big body back there, but he runs very well he's kind of a unique quarterback at least in the cfl uh with that kind of skill set at that size and then the saskatchewan rough riders i mean again trevor harris looked great in the preseason uh their receiving core is completely new at least for the americans they're looking at sean bain who was kind of a returner and kind of role player in calgary last year to take a big step he's going to be one of their starting receivers darrell walker who's coming off a couple of down years at edmonton they're looking for him to have a bit of a renaissance, and he looked very good. Again, albeit a very small sample size in the preseason game. He was the one who beat Demario Houston for what looked like a pretty easy touchdown on the Riders' first drive of that game. So I do think these teams could potentially make the playoffs, but they're going to need somebody in front of them to stub their toe. Because as we discussed, the Lions and the Stamps are still good teams, and I still think Winnipeg is the team to beat. Looks like the crossover might be very much available this year. We'll see. But uh, just on, one last note on the Elks. The the whole guaranteed ticket thing, I think that's a great initiative. But at the same time, 
are you not also like incentivizing fans to be okay with losing? Cause then they don't have to pay anything. <laughs> well, I'll say this two things. One, the Elks have a million seats in that stadium and the Elks are able to do, uh, cause their, their attendance has waned a lot as well in recent years. I think one advantage they have, or at least one unique element to their uh, stadium, their situation is they, they, you know, Commonwealth seats, almost 60,000 people. And you're never going to sell 60,000 tickets to a, you know, a regular season game. You're lucky to fill it for a playoff game or, or even the Grey Cup. So I think Edmonton is smart to get creative and sell some tickets. It's, and it's not any ticket in the stadium. I should clarify that. They are limited to a couple sections. And according to the pricing, they're also $90 a piece. So if you pay the 90 bucks and you see a win, then you've actually paid more money than it would cost to sit in another section. So there's almost like a little bit of a gambling element. If you think the team is going to lose four straight games at home, yeah, it's a great investment to buy the $90 ticket. If you think they're going to win week one, you'd be a lot better off buying a seat elsewhere and saving some money. Betting against your team. Essentially, yes. Hypothetically. Without technically meeting the legal requirement for, for betting or gambling. There you go. Interesting. All right. We'll keep that in mind as we go through the season, watching how the Elks do to the East now where a lot has changed, namely Hamilton. That's where we'll start because that's where the Bombers will be. uh, That's who the Bombers will be facing on Friday. Bo Levi Mitchell. I guess the big question is, does he still got it? Well, if the very short sample size of the West semifinal is any indication, the answer is yes. I mean, he came in, replaced Jake Mayer, Late in that game, it more or less had already been decided. BC was, was certainly the better team on the day in Vancouver last November. But believe I, Mitchell came in and looked like the Bo of old. Now, for the doubters, I fully appreciate why they might be skeptical because Bo of old has not been seen since 2018. Believe I, Mitchell was not very good in 2019, missed a bunch of games due to injury, was not very good in 2021, missed a bunch of games due to injury, and then was not very good in 2022 and was benched. So it's been a long time since we've seen an elite Bolivar Mitchell. That being said, there's a reason why Bolivar Mitchell is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he inevitably retires. He's been in the league 10 years, but he's still only, I believe it's 33. And so, you know, it's not like he's 40. Uh, It's not like he's trying to do something that, you know, only Tom Brady has done and play elite football into his 40s. He is simply looking to push his career, you know, maybe to 35, 36. And so uh, the proof will have to be in the pudding. I I don't want to speculate on either side, but I'll say this. I think the people who are Bo believers and the people who are Bo doubters both have reason to hold their respective beliefs. I get the skepticism, but uh, I also get the optimism. And, and, And the other thing I will say that Bo maybe hasn't had the last couple of years is he's got a big old chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove to everybody that he is still Bolivar Mitchell, and he's now in a new city, new team, new franchise, where he is the undisputed guy to have the opportunity to prove that. But Hamilton's strength is going to be their defense, right? Well, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the defense is is new look in a lot of ways. They added Casey Sales, who I think was a really underrated defensive tackle for the Blue Bombers last year. They gave him a lot of money in free agency to come over there and start on a very good defensive line. Jameer Thurman, is the new middle linebacker. He came over from the Calgary Stampeders, where I think he was also quite an underrated kind of field general uh, manning the middle of that defense. And so the the secondary is young. They've lost some good players who are defensive backs in recent years. I have a little bit of concern about that. But if your front six, front seven 
is really, really talented, usually it's not a problem to have youth on the back end because you're getting after the quarterback, making life miserable for them, forcing them into quick decisions uh, and, and throwing contested catches anyway. So uh, to me, the, the back end of that defense in Hamilton is a, a little bit of a question mark, but the, the front should be good enough that they can take some pressure off that unit. Where does Hamilton fit in the East power rankings for you? At least for right now, I've got them at one, but I think this division could go a lot of different ways. This is a a division where you've got the reigning, you know, Grey Cup champions in the Toronto Argonauts, but that team also lost its franchise quarterback to the USFL. McLeod Bethel-Thompson took a big pay cut to go down to New Orleans and play and be close to his growing family. So Chad Kelly's the guy in Toronto. Chad Kelly has a grand total of one CFL start. And by the way, the quarterbacks behind him on the depth chart, Christian, have a combined zero career CFL starts. So this team is extremely young at quarterback. It's hard to put a team like that at number one in your, your standing projections, just given the, the complete lack of experience at the game's most important position. Uh, Ottawa Red Blacks, I was tempted to have them at one because I like a lot of the additions they've made. But guess what? Jeremiah Masoli, who... Back in January, general manager Sean Burke told everybody, yeah, he's going to be ready to go after the devastating leg injury that he suffered in 2022. Well, guess what? Jeremiah Masoli is not going to be ready for the start of the season. He's likely going to make his debut in week four after the Red Blacks week three bye. And then you've got the Montreal Oets, who had an offseason ownership crisis that unfortunately coincided with free agency. And they lost some of their best players. Trevor Harris is gone. Eugene Lewis is gone. Jake Winicky is gone. They were able to replace some of those players. Greg Ellingson, former Blue Bomber, is one of them. But uh, there are certainly questions in La Belle Provence. So I don't know how to rank those four teams. If I had to, you know, gun to my head, put it anywhere, I would say probably Hamilton 1, Montreal 4, and then and then a coin toss, depending on the health of Masoli for, for Ottawa and Toronto in the middle. But that division is going to be tight. And I love that you brought up the crossover, Christian, because – I do think this is the year the crossover is going to come into play, just given the strength of the West. I look around the CFL and I, I fear that the level's not going to be great uh, of play because of all the uh, new faces and new spots, a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. I just worry it, it's going to maybe not be the best season of CFL football, but am I wrong? I do. <laughs> and the reason for that is uh, is not because I mean yes there 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 is a, a lack of experience in some spots but the thing that I think really hurt this league coming out of the COVID nineteen pandemic is they were one of very few leagues that did not play during the COVID canceled season in twenty twenty and then the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two you had a, a ton of guys retire right they didn't come back from the COVID nineteen pandemic so all of a sudden you had a bunch of guys thrown into new roles replacing veteran players. And that happened to also coincide with the creation of two new American leagues that are taking up a ton of talent that normally would have come up to the CFL. And so I think we saw some sloppy football in 2021. Scoring was way down in 2021. It's, I think, the lowest scoring CFL season in 40 years. Scoring actually came all the way back up to the 10-year average last season. And I think it's going to go up this year. I, I really do. I think the quarterbacking is in a better situation league-wide than it's been in a while. Um, I do think that three, four, five years down the road, we need to ensure that we have enough quality quarterbacks to go around because nobody wants to watch football with sloppy quarterback play. And again, a lot of those leagues down south are chewing up some of that talent. But I think coming out of the pandemic, again, when there was lots of movement with coaches, 
tons of retirements. Uh, there was also some 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 young players up through the draft who decided they didn't want to continue playing football. They 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 just you know entered the next phase of their life, so to speak. Uh, I think the CFL has kind of done the grunt work of rebuilding that foundation coming out of the pandemic, at least from a personnel wise, from a from a coaching perspective. And I think that that's going to allow the seed the season to to be better. I think than it has the last couple of years. But who knows? That is my speculation. And and you could be right, Christian. Maybe maybe it'll be. Uh, Maybe it'll be sloppier ball, but but for me, I think that the league is going to be at least a little more polished this season than it was in 2022. All right, I'll get you out of here on this naturalized American rule. Are we all on the same page about it? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So I, I and and I could talk about this for an hour. So I'll make this very short and sweet. This new roster rule, and I've got a column up about it at Three Down Nation. If people want to read all the details, but. Unless you've got a PhD in statistics, good luck keeping track of who's on the field this year. This is one of the dumbest rules I've ever seen in professional sports. And in my view, especially the way teams are are blatantly abusing it, it makes a complete mockery of the game. And the sooner that the league gets rid of this rule, the better. Not just for the fans who are confused by it, uh, but for the players themselves and the teams, a lot of whom have told me privately, hate this rule because of the complete Pandora's box that it opens. So to me, it's got to go. All right. Go to three down nation, read all of the details about that. John, appreciate your time. Thanks for this. And we'll uh, see you at the game on Friday. Cheers. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB sports show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from six 30 to 9 PM. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe. If you'd like, We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your